Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 20 about the seventh commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. The Bible celebrates intimate love within marriage. Romance, speaking love language, speaking romantically to one another, telling each other that you're beautiful and lovely and important to me and all of these things. And God is the one that made it up. It is so sad to me to see how the devil has soiled something that God made to be beautiful. That really is heartbreaking. But God made it to be beautiful. And many of you have been robbed of the beauty of it because of the soiling of it in your past. And I understand that. Many of you come from abuse and seeing distortions of this that make you very uncomfortable. And I get it. And I will tell you that you're just going to have to try to work through this with God's heart and God's grace. And I will tell you that anybody who truly loves you will be patient with you. There's going to be different seasons of life, different ways that we love one another and give ourselves for one another and sacrifice for one another. This is, this is something that within the context of love, we will be patient with one another. We will defer to one another. We will try to be there for one another. We need to protect our marriages from adultery. And one of the ways we do that is by filling the love tank of our spouse. Hebrews 13.4 says, Let marriage be held in honor among all. Marriage should be honored by all NIV. Let the marriage bed be precious to all of you. And let the marriage bed be kept pure, NIV, Hebrews 13.4. For fornicators or the sexually immoral and adulterers, God will judge, Hebrews 13, verse 4. We've looked at the negative. We've looked at the positive. And now I want to take you to the inside-outside rule of every commandment. This is in the book of Matthew, chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount. Let's turn there together. Let me explain the inside-outside rule. The outside rule of the command is quite evident. The outside rule has to do with the, the actual act of breaking a commandment. The inside rule has to do with your heart. Jesus got to the depth of the law when he said the following, Matthew five twenty seven. You've heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery, Matthew five twenty eight. But I say to you that everyone who looks on a woman to lust for her has committed adultery with her already where? In his heart. Now, this doesn't apply just to the male, but it seems to be more of a male problem. Males are very visual. We're starting a new man ministry this coming Tuesday here. I think we have maybe 20 plus guys signed up already. And this this new man ministry is to address some of these issues and teach you some of the tools about how you can deal with the lust issue. Because it is very prevalent. And guys just seem, uh, probably more than women, to struggle in this area of being very visual. And, you know, obviously struggling with lust. Let me explain some of the language here. When Jesus uses the word look, he's not talking about a glance. He's talking about a gaze. There is a difference. If you're driving down the freeway and you see a billboard or you're in the grocery line and there's a magazine cover or a commercial or whatever. There's a difference between a glance, like unavoidable, and a gaze. There's also a difference between the appreciation of beauty and lust. You are not going to walk 
for the rest of your life with your head down. You're going to run into all kinds of different things if you do that. And I heard a pastor say the following, and I think it was wise. He said, if you see someone attractive, and there are many attractive people in the world, just take it up to God and say, good job, God, and move on. (laughs) All right? That'll get God involved with it, and hopefully you won't cross the line. Good job, God. Right? I will tell you that that pastor has since fallen. But I still think his advice is really good, so I had to qualify that. Jesus is not talking about the appreciation of beauty. He is talking about a look where you stare at someone repeatedly gazing at them for the purpose of lusting. The idea of the language here is that you begin to imagine the sexual possibilities as you gaze and gawk at this person. That's what's going on. It's not, boy, he's really handsome. Gee, she's really pretty, and you move on. It's the gazing with the intent of imagining the sexual possibilities. And it is not hard to figure out what the line is, brothers and sisters. We know it in our hearts when we've done it. Someone once said, you know, can you really define adultery, taking all these things into consideration? And a man responded, yeah, adultery is however my wife defines what adultery is. (laughs) So there is an adultery of the heart, and there is a way to protect your heart and order your life in such a way where you don't go there. You have no business flirting with another person's spouse. You have no business creating intimacy with another person's spouse because that is the doorway to the actual act. The act is always preceded by issues of the heart. We begin to run it around in our minds. And sometimes what happens is we get, you know, the attention of somebody or a compliment from somebody. And all of a sudden, you know, you're down the road and you become like a house of cards and and you get yourself in trouble. And that is where you need to call out to God and maybe, you know, get someone who knows you well and you can be accountable to. And I will tell you, don't go there. Because whenever you go there, there is going to be damage. It's not irreparable damage. But it is damage nonetheless. And it's something that you can save yourself a lot of heartache if you just don't go there. Jesus says, giving us some advice. This is hyperbole. Extreme language to make the point. If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out. Throw it from you. It's better for you that one of the parts of your body perish than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. That's not me talking. That's Jesus, right? He says, if your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. He said, it was said, whoever sends his wife away, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except for the reason of unchastity, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. And then he gets into the idea of vows. This, God does not take this stuff lightly. When you make a vow, he expects you to keep your vow. There are some exceptions. There are some possibilities for divorce that God allows. But there are some pretty narrow things. For the rest of it, he tells you, be true to your covenant. Be true to your oath. You love the person that God has given you, and you love them well. And it's going to be work. And it is challenge. At times, and marriage is the school of discipleship, and God will teach you to love somebody through thick and thin, ups and downs, when they can give you everything you need and when they can't. And that's what agape love is all about. Amen? 
It was a good time for a louder amen. amen. This is what the Lord says. And it is my duty to obey him. And so Jesus says, look, if there are things happening, let me just comment for a moment. I'm going to state the obvious as you turn to John chapter 8. Let me state the obvious. The pornography industry has destroyed much of our world. The whole industry is built on a lie. It is a false world. If the girls in those videos tell you that they like what they're doing, it's because they've been taking enough drugs where they can actually swallow some saliva and actually get the words out. They hate it. They've become an object. It is a false world. It's a lie. Some of the people that are in those movies are actually being sex trafficked. So if you partake in it, some of those people are there against their will. This is what we're finding out in the research with sex trafficking. So you're, you're basically, you know, helping that along. And here's what's happened. In, back in the day, I'm just going to be blunt with you and real because here we are. We've got to be blunt and real. Back in the day, you could go into a video store and there was a kind of a back area where you, there was a curtain and there were adult videos and you had, to, you had to do the walk of shame to rent one of those things. Or you could go into a convenience store and buy a pornographic uh, magazine. And you could partake of those images. And, and those of you who have, who have done this know that those images are hard to ever get out of your head. But here's another thing. In the computer world of the internet, the images are inexhaustible. They never run out. You can always find something new. The rabbit hole never ends. Whereas a magazine, you could, you could see it and see it again and again. But at some point, you know, those images might become old to you. Well, in the computer internet world, they never end. They keep coming and coming, and coming. And you, if you get caught in that world, you will never be satisfied. There'll just be more and more and more that you got to partake in. And there is a way out, brothers and sisters. There's a way out through Jesus Christ. He always provides a way of escape. And if you're there and you're entangled in that web, get out now. And there are the new man ministry, and there are many of us who could talk to you about that. And, and I will just tell you this, and I, and I want to be clear. I'm not preaching down to any of you. I am the chief of sinners. I come from a background where I didn't do things God's way. And if my wife came up here, we would both tell you, and many of you know our testimony. We got saved very early uh, in our relationship and got married as we had both become believers. So we've, we've seen each other on both sides of this. So we have a heart for people who are going through this. And if you come and talk to me or you talk to my bride or any one of us, we're not going to condemn anybody. That's not why we're here. We've been saved by the good news of the gospel. That's what this last story is about. But I will just tell you, the pornography industry has done so much damage to people. It's, it's amazing. But there's a way out. You can have it in your rearview mirror. Here's, here's John 8. We're, we're going to close our time together with this story. Jesus, verse, eight, verse 1, John 8, went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again into the temple. All the people were coming to him, and he sat down and began to teach. The scribes and the Pharisees, John 8, 3, brought a woman caught in adultery, having set her in the center of the court. They said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now, the law in the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. What then do you say? Now, they were saying this, testing him. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. If you listen to Walk in Truth on a regular basis, we could use your help by becoming a monthly financial partner. 
Our mission on Walk in Truth is to help people like you become better equipped with God's Word to address today's issues, trends, and culture. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with other monthly expenses. Our fiscal year ends March 31st, and thanks to many listeners like you, we're getting closer to our goal of having 50% of our budget supported. What we really need is more monthly partners so that when we reach that goal, the program will be sustained in the months and maybe even years to come by at least that much. Our ultimate goal is to eventually become 100% listener supported and then have the ability to broadcast on more radio stations to reach more people like you. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner, giving $10 to $20 a month. You can give online today at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. They said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now, the law in the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. What then do you say? Now, they were saying this, testing him. Now, whatever was going on behind the scenes, they have found this woman caught in the very act of being with someone who was not her spouse and probably he cheating on his spouse. We don't know where the man is. The man was just accountable in the Torah as the woman. Where is he? Some people say he was simply a plant, that he was just used and they they manipulated the whole scene. I heard a recent suggestion that is new to me that maybe the man's already been stoned and killed. That intensifies the scene, does it not? Because the woman is now facing her situation. We don't know if the Jews really could carry out capital punishment. But uh, anyway, I just leave that to you. So here's the woman. She's been torn out of this you know, situation where she's in that very act. She's in front of the judge of the world, the king of all kings. Jesus knows they're not there to condemn her. They're there to condemn him. They're not there to accuse her. They're there, there to accuse him so that they might have grounds of accusation, middle of six. So Jesus stooped down and with his finger, he wrote on the ground. Now they couldn't wait for his response. The law of Moses says this. Now they got to be thinking, now if he says stone her, the friend of tax gatherers and sinners is going to have his reputation ruined. He's the friend of tax gatherers and sinners. Come here, Jesus. Oh no, he's not. He just told them to stone that woman caught in the act of adultery. That's gone. If he says kill her, he's upholding the law of Moses. If he says no, don't stone her. Now he's defying the Torah. Clearly the law of God says to stone her. I could take you to Old Testament verses that would bear that out. What a dilemma. What would Jesus do? Come on, and the language is this. What do you say? What do you say? We want to know, teacher. What do you say? (laughs) And he's writing in the ground. What's he writing? The Greek allows for figures like drawing crosses. It allows for writing like You know, the finger of God wrote the original commandments. Maybe he's writing all 10 of the commandments. Maybe he's writing commandment number seven. Maybe he's writing the one about bearing false witness because you're all a bunch of liars. I don't know. Maybe he's writing their individual names and their sins. Maybe he's writing a verse from Jeremiah that says that those who basically rebel against God will be written in the earth. There's a lot of possibilities. We don't know for sure, but he's writing and it bugs them. And so he, he, it says, when they persisted in asking him, Jesus, what do you say? Jesus! He straightened up and said to them, 
He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. You can imagine the people holding the rocks and the woman just waiting for the first blow, maybe imagining her head bleeding or her teeth being knocked out and, and the pain that she would suffer, maybe cowering down. And Jesus says, okay. And the younger would look to the elders to lead the way in this community situation. And so maybe the younger ones looked at the oldest guy in the crowd. All right, he'll start the thing and then we'll finish it. But from the oldest to the youngest, stones, rocks began to drop into the ground. Because when he stooped in the ground, he wrote again. And when they heard it, they began to go out one by one, verse 9, beginning with the older ones, and he was left alone. Rocks fell, and one by one, in, in a processional, if you will, left. And it was the woman and Jesus, and perhaps some others who had been listening to his teaching. And there she was in the center of the court. And straightening up, Jesus said to her, woman, where are they? Do no one condemn you? And she said, probably looking around, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, I don't condemn you either. But let's not miss this part. Go from now on and sin no more. Leave your life of sin. Two things I want to tell you as we wrap up. Number one, the one who didn't condemn her was about to be condemned on his own cross. The one who told her, I don't condemn you, was about to take the condemnation that we deserve. For there's no condemnation to those, Romans 8, 1, who are in Christ Jesus. He would take the blows. He would be treated as though he'd committed murder, adultery, and broken every one of the Ten Commandments. And he took the accusations of those commandments, nailing them to the cross, and giving us peace through the blood of his cross. Amen? That's the good news of the gospel. The one that didn't condemn her was about to be condemned and accursed on the cross. And that is the good news that we preach for people who have sinned in their hearts, sinned with their actions. God forgives sin in Jesus Christ. By his wounds, we are healed. Amen? Good news that we have to preach. But there's a second thing. He tells her, go and leave your life of sin. I want you to imagine afterwards. We all imagine the scene and we're familiar with it. So the woman walks away, but she just got caught in the act of adultery. Let's just say that that's her issue. She's got an issue with guys and and being true and waiting for marriage or whatever it may be. What does she do now? How do you leave your life of sin? I'm sure you've asked that before. Let's try to answer that question. Number one, Jesus says in the next verse that he's the light of the world. He says, He who follows me, look at 8.12 of John, will not walk in darkness. What will you have? You'll have the light of life. If you want to leave your life of sin, walk with Jesus in the light of his word and in the power of his spirit, number one. Number two, Jesus calls upon every disciple to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. Amen? Amen. To follow Christ means self-denial. Now, not across the board. It just means doing things God's way. That means to deny your pleasures that do not honor God and let them be crucified or nailed to the cross. Follow him in the light. Deny yourself. Here's number three. Paul had a thorn in his flesh. We don't know exactly what it was. Three times he said, Lord, let this thorn depart from me. He prayed three times, the great apostle Paul. Now, many of us, when we have a besetting sin, this is normally what we do. I've heard a lot of people say it. Maybe you've said it. Lord, if you would just take that desire away from me, then I wouldn't do it anymore. 
If you would just remove that uh, proclivity I have to, to fall to that thing, to look, to do this, to do that, just take it away and then I won't do it anymore. And the great apostle Paul says, remove it from me. And Jesus' response is to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is perfected in weakness. Now here's what I take from that. Sometimes God takes the desire away, but in many cases, what he's going to ask of you is that every time from now on that you're tempted to do that thing, you lean into his grace and his grace, please hear me, will be sufficient for you. He will provide a way of escape that you may stand up under that temptation and find victory. More times than not, he is not going to take the desire away. He's going to ask you to change by realizing the power of his grace every time you're tempted. And I will bet you that when you leave here today, having heard this sermon, that you're going to be tempted in some of the areas that we have talked about. By the time the week's over, how many of you would bet on that? Oh yeah, it's going to happen, right? And a way of escape will be there for you. A great high priest in heaven, whoever lives to intercede for his people, will pour out uh, helping grace for those who know him. He will stabilize you in the storm. He will give you the strength that you need. Every time you turn to him in a moment of temptation, his grace will be sufficient. This is how you find victory. The more you surround yourself with the things of God, the more you will be able to stand against the wiles of the world and the evil one. Oh, Father, help us. You've been listening to The Seventh Commandment, Thou Shall Not Commit Adultery, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 20. Now, we have pastors on staff that would love to speak with you if you need prayer or counsel. Maybe these Ten Commandment teachings are bringing up some feelings you need to let out, or perhaps you have more questions. Call Walk in Truth Tuesdays through Fridays during daytime hours at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. 844-48-TRUTH. Now here's Pastor Michael one more time before we go. Well, we know that adultery is a painful reality that many people have gone through. Maybe you recently... um have experienced that maybe you've been on the side of finding out that your spouse was unfaithful. Uh, Maybe it happened to you years ago. Maybe you are the person who was unfaithful to your spouse. You committed adultery. What now? Is this irreparable? Does a marriage have to end because there was infidelity? No, it doesn't. Is it a biblical grounds for divorce? Yes. So what should you do right now if you're that person who's going through that very issue right now? I hope you have a local church and you have a pastor that you can talk to because this is not a simple, oh, my my spouse committed adultery, I'm out. There can be restoration even after adultery. I'm not saying it's easy and I'm not, I'm not giving any blanket promises or telling you what to do. I'm just saying that I've watched couples make it through adultery with repentance, contrition, a willingness to make things right. It's possible to get past it, but it's complicated and it needs pastoral wisdom, accountability, and several layers of healing 
which I think can only really be accomplished as someone is in a close relationship with a local fellowship. And of course, you're going to have to approach the leadership and get help. You know, I I have no script before me, brethren, uh, for those of you who are listening. I'm not, I'm not reading from a teleprompter or, you know, I, I have some things that spark some discussion from our um, wonderful Rob Newton, who's our producer, some thoughts, some directions to go. But I, I, I'm just thinking that, you know, maybe this is the Holy Spirit saying to someone listening right now, you know, don't go it alone. Okay, you know, you're in this situation, but you need to let the community, the body of Christ help you. That's why there's a body of Christ. And uh, so I'll leave it at that. Hey, if we can help you in any way, help maybe uh, get you going in the right direction or you've got something else on your heart and mind. The number to call, pastors are available Tuesday through Friday, is 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. And uh, hopefully we can help you. But remember, an electronic voice can only go so far, right? So uh, make sure you reach out if you need some help from your local body. And if you're not connected to a local body, I'd like to invite you to Living Truth Christian Fellowship, where I serve as senior pastor. If you're anywhere near the Inland Empire... You can find out more about the church when you go to walkintruth.com and click on that church tab. Walkintruth.com. Clicking on the church tab. See you tomorrow. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 20 about the Eighth Commandment, Thou shalt not steal. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.